If you feel it, you know it. Zero production. Sports Talk with D-Raw. What's up, people? It's your boy D-Raw coming to you with another episode of STWD. And you already know how this goes. Hey, you already know what I got to cover first. You know, it clearly always goes over my head because Houston don't have a WNBA team anymore. So that's one of the reasons why I don't follow the WNBA at this point. I feel like the W. The WNBA is not in enough major markets anymore. But um, congratulations to the Chicago Sky by getting that title and actually seeing all the work that was done behind the closed doors that I never knew about. The WNBA is triumphing things at a level that we would never understand, you know. Having former black head coaches and general managers, Amber Stocks and Pokey Chapman, they play integral roles on creating this team and creating a championship team. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to Candace Parker and Coach James Wade, Khalil Copper, all of them. That whole team, they did something awesome. And they did it in fashion. Moving on. I got to talk about MLB. Major League Baseball playoffs. Of course, first. Um, the last time we was talking, I think we was talking about how dominant the Dodgers was looking. But the last time we was talking, I don't think this series had began between the Dodgers and Braves. So... The Braves are up three to one once again. It's it's another year. It's 2021. And my question for the Braves is can y'all learn how to close out games? Can y'all figure out how to become winners? Because as we are speaking, it is the bottom of the third. The Braves are down, it's two to three, and the Dodgers are winning. And I wanna see. I truly, truly want to see the Braves pull it off. Well, number one, I'm going to go ahead and put an asterisk next to the Dodgers World Championship. That, I'm sorry, that shit really doesn't count. It was COVID, it was a short season, um, and it was a lot of other factors that played in to where no one really had a real advantage, you know? But given me saying that, that kind of leans towards the Dodgers way of saying, why should I have an asterisk? But there should be an asterisk there for obvious reasons. Come on now, Dodgers. Now, if the Dodgers come back, beat Atlanta down from three to one, and they go to the World Series, I'll remove the asterisk. I'll simply remove the asterisk. Because at this point, they're in the same position they was last year. So, it's like a whole replay of what happened last year, right? 
So I've got to see what they're going to do. Now, like I said, I'm pulling for the Braves because I just like to see the Braves in there. I, honestly, I mean, I think we probably have a better matchup if we face the Braves anyways. The Houston Astros, <laughs> as in we. Uh, I think that matchup would be better. Because I'm going to be honest, the Dodgers, they're banged up kind of right now. Um, and they have the pitching. They have the pitching. They have the hitting. And they can kind of be a nightmare for the Astros if the Astros aren't bringing their best pitching. And also, now, see, like I just said, the Braves don't know how to close out games because the Dodgers just scored another round run. Now it's 4-2. to two. So, Braves, y'all got to learn how to pick it up, man. Learn how to close out these games. But, like I said, if, they, if the Dodgers come back, man, and they win this series, hats off to them. Now, tomorrow's Friday, and that means that the Red Sox got to come back to Houston. Astros is up 3-2, to two, and I'm going to be honest. Um, when, I, when I last looked at the Astros and Red Sox competition between the two, and we was talking about the game, as in, I looked at every game. Oh, let me say when I last talked to y'all about the Houston Astros and Red Sox, I believe um, we were possibly going into the series. And us winning game one, I was very, very happy, which I told you all on the H-Town Breakdown. And then, you know, we the rebound was horrible. I mean, we got our ass kicked, you know. So to see the Astros jump back into the series, win two games straight, kick ass two nights in a row. Um, Framber Valdez just went out there and did what he had to do. I mean, he went seven innings, bro. They couldn't touch him. They couldn't hit his shit. He was throwing strike after strike. But, you know, Joe Buck never going to give us no kind of respect. And to me, John Smokes really don't give us much respect either. But that's okay. That's okay. One day, someone is going to respect what Houston puts out there on the field, on the court, and, and overall. And I say this because we're disrespecting in all four major sports. All four. And it's, it's really just ridiculous. Well, I'll say all three major sports because for some odd reason, we don't have a damn hockey team. So, anyways, um, Houston should close out this game. Us being at home, there's no reason for us not to. It's going to be a raucous crowd, and the Red Sox is really going to hear it in this game because they was doing a whole lot of bragging. Matter of fact, speaking of bragging, they try to say that we was cheating. Did y'all see in the game when they had the little weird light coming from the the green or whatever they call it, all the way in the outfield? Uh at Fenway, they had a little light in the outfield behind the, the big green uh, scoreboard area, whatever they call that shit out there. But um, it had a little light. And it's, it's weird because the light turned off once the Red Sox uh, was done batting. So when the Astros came up the bat, the light had 
the light was already gone. But when the Red Sox was out there, the light was there. So they call us and claim that we're cheating. Their radio station said that we are cheaters and we're still cheating, blah, 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 blah. I mean, come on, bro. So we're, we're cheating. We're cheating uh, in, at Fenway in Boston. It don't really make sense. Now, when the Astros was cheating, they was cheating at home. And as you can see, the, the cheating really didn't, didn't do much for the Astros. I mean, everybody want to talk about how the Astros is cheating. Yeah, they was banging trash cans. But they was usually banging the trash cans at home where they had a camera in the outfield that can steal the signs. They wasn't banging trash cans at Fenway Park and stealing signs. Oh, then they say that the Astros was cheating because they said that the Astros was whistling. Come on, bro. Whistling? I mean, if we whistling in the crowd as an Astros fan after the, the stadium got so quiet because we just took the heart out of y'all, what else do you expect? You, you're just going to claim that we're doing anything at this point. You're going to say we're cheating. So up to that point, Man, hell with the damn Red Sox. I'm ready for us to get this series over with. I hope, I really hope that we just can clean it up tomorrow, take care of our business on Friday, and be done with the Red Sox and be ready to advance. And that gives us the chance to rest our arms. Hopefully McCullers continue to get healthier and he can rest up and continue to rest up and give him an extra few days to rest before we either have to face the Dodgers or the Braves. So that's my plan if I'm Dusty Baker. And you know what? Hey, hats off to Dusty Baker. I know I talk a lot of shit about him, but he actually did some smart things so far in this series. And he's been a, a very, very great confidence booster for the Astros, for them to even go out there and just turn turn the series around the way they have. So hats off to Dusty Baker. I hope he could, he can continue to continue to um, make those smart decisions and and just keep pushing that bravery for our pitching and for our bats because man, we we've been amazing and I just love what we're doing. I mean. Rambert Valdez, he played an amazing game. Um, everybody was hitting. Everybody came through and did what they had to do. And I just want to see that up until the end of the World Series. And I just want us to leave it all out there on the field. By the way, I know a lot of y'all haven't heard, but they started like a GoFundMe so uh, Correa can get paid. They're trying to raise like $28 million for Korea and to feed the hungry or the poor. Um, first off, Jim Crane is a multi-billionaire. He don't need no extra money. He can pay the man. And I know that's for sure because they finna have people that's not even finna be on the team on the books anymore. Number two is Jim Crane. He got a lot of money and that ain't the issue. They can pay him if they want to. So, Raising $28 million for Correa is unnecessary. Um, that's all I got to say about that, honestly. Moving on, you know, 
the NBA season has started. And as I said, for the Rockets, the future is bright, but it's not near. Oh, man, it is not near. And I mean that in every possible way because the Rockets got their ass whooped. They got destroyed by Minnesota. But they wasn't the only team to get destroyed, um, you know, in the start of this NBA season. But by the way, the NBA season started on Tuesday, October 19th. And uh, the opening games were Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And I know you got to be so happy just to see that matchup again, right? Well, guess what? Brooklyn got a new ass. Um, Giannis came through. He had 32 points. Kevin Durant had 32 points. But the final score was 127 to 104. Brooklyn didn't show up enough. Uh, I think they're really going to need Kyrie. James Harden had a decent game, but it still wasn't enough for them to get over the edge. And I'm going to keep saying this. I think Brooklyn's biggest uh, issue going to be this year is their bench, especially with them not going out and getting anyone to help improve their bench. Now, I know they got... Aldrich back, but I don't know what he's really got to bring at this point. Blake Griffin, ah, he's questionable. I mean, he he put up a few points, but nothing to really write home to your mama about. Um, So, second game was Golden State in L.A., and I know everyone would love to see a healthy Curry going up against a a old-ass Lakers team, and young Curry defeated the Lakers. He only needed 21 points. LeBron put up 34 with his old ass, and Golden State ran off with the win 121 to 114 to open up the season. Moving on, to look at some of the young rookies, you know, uh, Memphis and Cleveland, they faced off against each other. And you got to understand that Ja Morant is, is the truth. Ja Morant is the future of the NBA. When I when I really say he he is the future guard of the NBA. But um let's not be, you know, let's not overlook Evan Mobley. Cuz he's one of the rookies that we was looking at out of the top 3, right? And Evan Mobley went out there and he he did pretty good. He had 17 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, one steal, one block. He did everything that we expected him to do. When we was looking at him and scouting him, He was one of the players we said that could be very versatile, that can run the floor, that can assist, that can block, that can that can steal and shoot the ball. Hell, he was one for two from the three point line. So you got to respect this game. Uh, And then it was nice because they got Jared Allen on the inside, too. And you got Mobley to be able to stretch the, the floor. And he's a tall four. And, you know, Allen, he can he can block, he can steal, he can do a lot of things as well. Hell, he even put up 25 points. Colin Sexton did his thing. He had 17. So, I'm pretty impressed with the start of the uh, Cleveland Cavs season. Even though they lost 132 to 121, you know, I can't overlook what they brought into this game. I was really impressed. And I forgot they even had Ricky Rubio, so... You you better be looking out for Cleveland. They might be a sneaky team this year, especially if some of the players uh mature. So the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies look pretty damn good. John Moran had 37 points, six assists, six rebounds. 
He played amazing. Hell, he even had two blocks, man. And Jaron Jackson, he chipped in an, another 13 points, six rebounds, two assists, and four blocks. So that's pretty nice. And I'm not even going to mention what else uh, the other players did. And, you know, De'Anthony Melton is a player that the Rockets had drafted, and I never thought that he would even have such an upside. But he put up 20 points last, I mean, well, not last night, but the other night. He put up 20 points, three assists, four rebounds, and he played pretty solid as well. He was, he was a plus 17 on the court. So um, nothing to take away from that, man. That, that That's good basketball by Memphis. Um, we'll see how Memphis go. Hopefully they can be consistent this year. Um, but it will be, it will be a great challenge just to see what Memphis will bring this year to the NBA. Um, now I know we had some other good matchups. Some of those matchups were circling around the New York Knicks and Boston. The Knicks took it to Boston and over time pulled it off. Man, the Knicks won 138-134 against the Boston Celtics. Uh, Chicago busted out with their new with their new regime. You know, they got all those new ballers out there in the backcourt and they played against off they played against Detroit. Um they ended up winning the game 94-88 against Detroit. But we gotta look at the stats on this game because we wanna see what Kate Cunningham brought. Oh, he brought nothing. He was hurt. My bad. So I won't even give them a full evaluation of what to expect. But they was competitive enough to at least be in the game without Kate Cunningham. Jerry and Grant did his thing. He put up 24 points for him. Kelly Olenek gave him 10 points off the bench. Detroit might be solid, but they might not be that good. But they look better than the Rockets so far. I will definitely tell you that. Zach Levine gave the Bulls 34 points. Ball gave the Bulls 12. He had six rebounds, four assists, one block. He playing pretty solid, man. I can't take nothing away from Ball. He ain't the superstar player that we expected him to be, but he is still dependable. Uh, also, I, for, I forgot all about your boy DeRozan. DeRozan has 17 points as well. You know, as you continue to look at this team that the Bulls have on paper, they look pretty solid. I don't know what to expect out of them all the way around, all around as a team uh, ongoing, but I think they should be solid, man. I mean, there's nothing really negative to take away from the Bulls, you know? Now, I want to dip off into the Houston Rockets game because I was just devastated by the product that was left out there on the floor. I mean... I was really just wondering, is Steven Silas really the head coach of the Houston Rockets? And what have they been working on all season? Because so far, this shit has been horrible. It has not been anything great. It's really looking more like a shit show, if anything. So, bear with me. So, the Rockets opened up their shit show. And... They do nothing but prove me right. Future bright, but it's not near. They lost 106 to 124. And that's just, you know what I mean, garbage time uh, points right there. Because if we really just did a full recap on how they did quarter by quarter, well, 
the first quarter, they did all right. It was 21-32. And then the second quarter, they put up 24 points. Minnesota put up 40. Then the next quarter, they put up 26. Minnesota put up 27. Then in the fourth quarter, they showed up. But by that time, it was already a blowout. And, you know, they just released the bench out. And then the Rockets finally put up 35 the Rockets finally put up 35 points and Minnesota put up 25. So final score came out to 106 to 124. Now we look at the box score. This is really going to show you how bad the Rockets was really playing. Jay Sean Tate, he went one for four. He took four shots. He scored two points, two assists, three rebounds, uh, two turnovers. Daniel Tice really didn't play bad. He went four for six, one for two on the three-point, 11 points. He had one turnover, five rebounds, and both of them players played 21 minutes. Then Christian Wood came in the game. He had six for 15, two for six from three. He had 16 points. He supposed to be our superstar player, right, or star player. One block, three assists, and nine rebounds. Yeah. Trash. KPJ, 4 for 12. Person with a bright future, 4 for 12. 2 for 7 from 3. 1 from 2 from the 3-point line. Uh, 11 points in the game. 9 turnovers. 1 steal. 3 assists. And 3 rebounds. Jalen Green, rookie. 32 points as well. Now, KPJ did all that in 25 points. I mean, 25 minutes. My bad. Jalen Green had 32 minutes. 4 for 14. 1 for 6 from the three-point line. 9 points in the game. 1 steal. 4 assists. And 4 rebounds. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Jalen Green, bro, you're not going to be rookie of the year with stat lines like that. And it's just looking real bad for you. I mean, honestly, I'm going to be honest. Ever since uh, preseason started, I haven't seen too many things about Jalen Green that I like. I'm not saying that his ceiling is not there. I think he's just uh he needs the right players around him. He needs some good veteran leadership to, you know, help mold him to become a better player as well. I understand he got what he got uh with the G League, but he needs more veteran leadership now that he's with the Rockets. And honestly, throughout this whole roster they're pretty young besides uh Eric Gordon and DJ Augustine. John Wall is supposed to be a mentor, but he's not really on the team at this point. He's just there. So they need veteran leadership. Um, just to continue with um, the stat line, one of the other young rookies we got in the first round, uh, Garuba, he he played eight minutes. He had four points, two, two blocks, one steal, one assist, two rebounds. That's pretty good for the amount of time that he had in eight minutes. Uh, K.J. Martin, he, he played nine minutes. He also played solid seven points. Um, one steal, one assist, one re well, two rebounds. David Nwaba did good with seven points. You know, these guys play good. Uh, now, I got to get to my boy Alpi. Alpi Sagoon, um, he played 19 minutes. He had 11 points. He, he, he fouled four times, but three turnovers. Three steals, two assists. That's good, you know. 
uh, and he has six rebounds to go with that. That is that is damn good. He was even five for five from the the free throw point line. So um, when I talk about LP, he did what is expected. Eric Gordon even played solid, even though he was a minus twenty seven on the floor. He had fifteen points. Um, he, he turned the ball over three times, but he had a steal and he had two rebounds. So um, just the overlook of the Rockets, I could see some areas where they probably just need some more uh, chemistry. And with more chemistry, I think they might do a little bit better. But also, but also you have to remember that a lot of these players got their stats in garbage time because by the fourth quarter, the game was over. The game was over before halftime. I'm not even going to lie to you. The Rockets was down majority by 30 points in this game. Like, seriously. Um, I turned to the game at the beginning of the second quarter. I watched the game. I think we was down at the time by, like, 10 or 15 points. And then I just seen how explosive Minnesota was against the Rockets. It got down to halftime, and I said, you know what, man? I'm not turning back to this shit. <laughs> Seriously. Now, my boy Ricky that we had on uh, on the H-Town Breakdown a couple episodes ago, he watched the whole game. Now, he, he claimed that he he's a diehard fan, but, hey, that ain't got nothing to do with being a diehard. That's just, you must have been bored, and you just didn't have nothing else to look at because that shit that the Rockets put on was horrible. That was just straight garbage. But hopefully the next game they do better in their next matchup, which will be on Friday, which is tomorrow. And uh, they will be taking on OKC. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't see Houston coming away with a win, especially the way um, they played in this game against um, the Timberwolves. I don't really see it. But the matchup predictors say otherwise. The matchup predictor says that Houston has a two-thirds chance of winning this game. And I love to see it. And I really hope that this stands as the truth. Because uh, otherwise, it's not looking too good for the Houston Rockets. Um, but both of the teams lost their first game. Both of the teams come in here hungry for their first win. And hopefully, the Rockets prove to be the more hungrier team out of the two. Um, that's all I can really say about that, honestly. Besides, you know, today we have some good games going on around the NBA as well. We got Golden State playing. The Clippers, um, it's halftime right now as I speak. It's 66-67. Clippers uh, actually in the lead. Um, Dallas and Atlanta played today. Dallas got blown out, so... Hey, you're not the only team that got blown out. You know, and it's it, it's funny as I say, the flip it on, flip on the switch today, Milwaukee got their ass tore by uh Miami. It was uh 137 and 95. So hey, I guess I can't feel too bad about Houston. It is the first game of the season. Uh and Milwaukee was in their second game of the season. So I mean, you never know what you're gonna get week in and week out, uh day by day in the NBA. It's 82 games and it's a long season. And I still have the Rockets. Hopefully, if they uh, improve the curve, I still have them getting into the playoffs uh, near the near the bottom of the the uh, playoff seating. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, 
um, the Rockets can improve, and some of these other teams as well that I've covered. I like to see what San Antonio do against Denver on Friday. Um, Phoenix and LA will play against each other, so that'll be another good game. Going into Saturday, you got Phoenix and Portland, Memphis and uh, the Clippers. Detroit will face off against Chicago once again on Saturday. So there are some good games to be looking at um, in the in the in between time before I drop the next episode. Um, but you got Boston and Houston on Sunday. So I want to see what Houston looks like against Boston. I mean, we've seen what they looked like last night or they, they didn't prove to look too uh, promising. So those are some things to really highlight on the schedule. But all right, people, let's get a move on, man. We got to talk NFL. We got a lot of topics to cover and a lot of cool, hot topics at that. And the first topic, you know, it's Thursday, Thursday night. The Browns have finally got another win. Uh, they have just defeated the Broncos 17-14. Baker Mayfield was hurt. He didn't even play in this game. Case Keenum came through, got the dub. That's my boy, Case that's what I'm talking about. Go Cougs all the way. Uh, I love to, to hear when Case is having success because he is a NFL quarterback that has been disrespected ever since he got into the NFL. And let's go over some of these stats that he have dropped today. Case Keenum went out there 21 for 33, 199 yards, one TD, and he got sacked one time with a 90.3 QBR. Um, he didn't have the best of the best in a running game, but he had somebody step up today and show their ass in, with the name of Dearness Johnson. None of us know who he is, but guess what? He had 22 carries for 146. Now, I'm going to tell you one thing about this, uh, this O-line that Cleveland got. They must be pretty damn amazing because we can talk about all these other players that they got running the ball. But this Dearness Johnson got behind that line, and he did his damn thing. It make you really question uh, if these other running backs are really that much better than Dearness Johnson, right? Hey, if I'm one of these other teams that's out here that need a running back, you better put your, your eyes on Dearness Johnson because apparently he's something special. Or that old line that Cleveland got is special. But if, if it's me, I'm scouting him because I might need to make a trade for him because He's looking pretty solid, right? Um, Case Keenum, he, he hit all his targets, man. He hit everybody multiple times. Austin Hooper with two receptions for 42 yards. Jarvis Landry with five receptions, 37 yards. ODB even had two receptions for 23. Um, it was on six targets, but hey, at least he got two of them, right? Dearness Johnson, he was even catching the ball, two Receptions with 22 yards. Anthony Schwartz had two catches. Uh, Demetric Felton, three catches. David Njoku, two catches. Harrison Bryant, one catch. Man, they got so many talented players on this team, man. Like, it is ridiculous. Like, Cleveland shouldn't be 4-3. and three. I'm serious. And with a game like that, after Case Keenum has went out there and produced, you really have to question... Is um is the future really that much brighter for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland? Because Case might be the answer. Case was the answer in Minnesota. I don't know why they they didn't acknowledge the fact that he was, and they went and got Kirk Cousins. 
but he was the answer in Minnesota. Teddy Bridgewater, his former teammate, had a solid game as well. Teddy Bridgewater went 23 for 33, 187 yards with two TDs and one pick. These two quarterbacks are solid, man. They No, they're not top five quarterbacks, but they're solid quarterbacks. And you can't tell me that Kirk Cousins is any much better than solid because he's not. They could have kept one of these two guys and kept rolling in Minnesota. Um, now, Melvin Gordon had a horrible game. He had eight carries for 18 yards. Javante Williams, he went four carries for 20 yards. And Teddy B, he had two carries himself for three yards. Now, in the receiving game, Cortland Sutton, he had five catches for 68 yards on five targets. So he caught every ball that came his way. Noah Font, five receptions for seven targets. Javante Williams, six receptions uh, with 32 yards on seven targets. So a lot of these guys stepped up. Even Melvin Gordon had a couple targets and he a couple uh, receptions. Um, I think Denver is a solid team, but I think Denver is a team that needs some better receivers. Matter of fact, one of the young receivers are missing. Either he's missing or he didn't do anything today. I can't even remember his name, but Tyree Cleveland showed up. And um, I'm just looking forward to seeing both of these quarterbacks continue to produce in their career. I know Cakes Keenum been in the league for about, what, eight years now or something. But um, I love to see him succeed, man. I, I can't be mad about that, and I'm happy that he got the win. I like Teddy Bridgewater as well, but I just love to see Case Keenum come off the bench and show that he's still ready and always been ready to produce. Um, now, a few other things that we got to talk about. Now, there's new news about Deshaun Watson being traded um, to Miami. And you have to wonder if that is really the best thing for the Texans. Is it really helping the Texans or is it really helping the Dolphins? Now, it is helping the Texans, in fact, of restarting an actual uh, rebuild for the franchise. But the one thing I realized is that the first round picks that the Dolphins have aren't their picks. They are the 49ers picks. And so far, the 49ers haven't been so bad. So the thing that suck about all that is, yeah, you get picks. But if the 49ers continue to have a decent season and they get into the playoffs somehow, or whatever the case may be, how great are really those picks, you know? And um, the Dolphins' picks goes to, I think, the 49ers or whatever the case may be. I, I don't know where the Dolphins' picks are really located at this point. But um, there's not really that much upside to me in those picks. But just because you had a first pick doesn't mean that you get the best player either. So, you know, multiple picks means you, you, you get – Multiple good players in the first round, most likely. And that's what the Texans need. And the thing is, uh, with Deshaun going to Miami, it allows him to click with Brian Flores. Brian Flores is on the hot seat. Miami is 1-5, so him going from the Texans to Miami really doesn't make much of a difference as far as the organization you can't really say that they got a better owner over there because Kenny Stills just left with a couple years ago and came to the Texans because he didn't like the owner. So is the Dolphins really that much better than the Texans? I don't think so. Hell no. 
Um, they're both, you know, I would say the Dolphins aren't really in rebuilding stages. They did all these trades and they, you know, bamboozled the Texans a few years ago and all that. And they, and look at them now and they, they're still in, in shambles. And with two are not really being healthy, um, and the Texans, I guess, not really wanting Tua. They're talking about bringing in a third team to make a trade. So I'm thinking maybe the Giants will be the team to get into the trade to get Tua out of Miami and to replace Daniel Jones because Jones hasn't been that promising. And to go on further about that, you got to wonder how much pressure is on Joe Judge at this point because he's another coach that's on the hot seat. And Saquon is hurt. Daniel Jones has not proved to be anything close to what Eli Manning is or was. And that's not really saying a whole lot, honestly. Yeah, Eli won some Super Bowls, but he's really average at best. He just knew how to take care of the ball. And he had a good defense. Well, I wouldn't even say he knew how to take care of the ball because there was times that Eli led the league with INTs. So it's not really saying a lot, but Joe Judge, he... I think he's gone. He's a goner at this point, people. And you got to wonder what direction the Giants will go in at this point. I think their best bet is to honestly recruit someone that's a quarterback whisperer. Maybe uh, getting someone that can help develop, you know, Daniel Jones or even develop Tua. But Tua is really not a bad quarterback. It's just his health at this point. And I don't think his health will ever be on his side. Ever since he got hurt, um, I don't think his health will ever be on his side. It's like every year is something else. Even when he was in Alabama, you know, coming into Miami, it was always something. So I don't think there is something that will be upside for Tua. Now, I don't know if you heard, but Dan Orlovsky claims that the Pats are an AFC sleeper. Now, honestly, I can't disagree because the Patriots aren't really that bad. But do I see them being a sleeper and sliding into the playoffs? Not really. And the reason I say that is because the Texans had them. Dallas beat them and they had Dallas. I don't, I don't understand how that happened. But if anything, that would be the only indication that they may be an AFC sleeper because Dallas is a, a real contender this year. And I hate to say it, but they might really go deep and, and they might go real far this year. And it's very, very possible. So best of luck to them. Best of luck to the, the uh, Patriots. But I don't think they had a team to be a true sleeper. But I do think they have a team to be right above 500, which would mean they would have a winning season, right? Um, besides that, some other good things that's going on around the NFL. Is the NFL starting to catch up with Patrick Mahomes? Is people really starting to figure out what Mahomes is truly about and what Mahomes uh, can and cannot do and where he really fails at. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to say yes. The NFL is catching up with Mahomes and his turnover issues at this point. And the issue now 
is that he's starting to uh, face reality. Mahomes has been put into the perfect position since he's been drafted into the NFL. So you have to think the last four or five seasons, Mahomes has been in an amazing position. He came in with all the weapons, the right running back, the right offensive line, a solid defense. He came in with everything that he needed to have to succeed. You got to remember, the Chiefs were competing already when they had Alex Smith. Alex Smith just so happened to get hurt and never got his position back. And uh, Mahomes took over, and he never gave the keys back. So, with Mahomes doing what he has done, he impressed the NFL. I mean, he took the NFL by storm. He took the world by storm. He won a Super Bowl. He put up some high offensive numbers that nobody else has ever seen. Threw for so many touchdowns, it was ridiculous. And now he's starting to face reality where his offensive line is not that great. People are figuring out how to cover those quick receivers out deep. People are starting to put bodies on his main target at tight end. You know, and they're covering Mahomes and getting him out of the pocket to where he's turning the ball over. Now, this is why I said a few years ago that Deshaun Watson, to me, is actually the better quarterback between the two. But the NFL won't allow us to realize that Deshaun is actually the better quarterback. And Deshaun didn't have as many weapons. He didn't have a too good of an offensive line. His defense, when he got there, was solid. But they started to fall apart. But every week, every week, week in and week out, he had an average running back. Great receiver, but other average complementary receivers and tight ends. And he put up, God, man, he put up great numbers every week. You know, and for what Mahomes is doing with what he has, I can only imagine what Deshaun would do if he had what Mahomes have. Now, from that point of view, you can understand why Deshaun is mad about, um, being with the Texans and wanting to be traded. But when you ask me the question, is the NFL catching up with Mahomes? I'm going to ride with it. Yeah, they are. It's changing and people are catching on and, and building new schemes to, to defeat the Chiefs because they know what Tyreek Hill brings to the table. They know he can get deep. They know that Travis Kelsey knows how to get open. But if you can put a body on him and slow him down here and there you can get a win. If and if I could put some pressure on Mahomes, I can get a win because apparently they thought they improved that offensive line, but they didn't improve it enough. So let's do some quick recap on some of the major games that we talked about last week. Um, you know, last Thursday you had the Buccaneers and Eagles. Buccaneers pulled that off 28-22. to Tom Brady had a decent game, threw for almost 300 yards, two TDs. Hey, Jaguars got their first win of the season against the Dolphins. And as we just got done talking about the Dolphins, they they come into question. And Tua had a damn good game. Um, he, he went 33 for 47, 329, two TDs. Still lost, though. Um, 
James Robinson showed up for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't understand why they really took ETN so high. They could have took someone else to help complement James Robinson after he came off an amazing season. But I think that was just uh, some some dumb GM moves and bad coaching. But anyways, uh, Packers and Bears. Aaron Rodgers pulled another victory out his pocket and basically said that he couldn't resist but to beat the Bears once again and told him that Chicago is his town. Joe Burrow pulled out a good victory against the Lions. The Lions are now 0-6. Hell, they are the worst team in the NFL. And it's ridiculous to say that because the Lions have, to me, proven that they're more competitive and they have a better team on field. So, even though Campbell has them competitive every week, they go wrong somewhere. And I don't want to blame it on Campbell, on Dan Campbell, but, man, 0-6. And, and it's crazy because the Lions are truly a team that could be possibly 3-3. Three and three. They are a team that can really say at the end of the game, like, man, we just three plays from being 3-3. Three and three. Literally, three plays from being 3-3. Three and three. And, and that hurts. You know, you already know what the old sorry-ass Texans did. They they lost 31-3. Yeah, big disappointment. Indianapolis finally figured out how to get them another win, and they delivered the big-ass knockout punch to the Texans. That's for sure. Slammed. Rams and Giants. Yeah, the big blue went out there and got them another L. Sean McVay moved on to 5-1. Although he wasn't too happy about what his team did in this game, they still won 38-11. Matthew Stafford had four TDs. The Chiefs pulled off another win, 3-3. Three and three. Patrick Mahomes went out there. After his second interception, he has two TDs, and he did good enough to get the victory of 400 yards passing. They beat them 31-13. The Vikings and Panthers. Went into OT. Panthers lost, though. 34-28. Kirk Cousins went out there for 373 and three TDs. What an amazing game. Dalvin Cook, he had 29 carries for 140. He carried this team to victory. Chargers and Ravens. Ravens came through with the victory against the Chargers. Ravens 5-1. Chargers 4-2. Ravens take the victory 34-6. Justin Herbert. 195 yards passing on one TD. Disappointing. He could have gave us some more, right? So, then we go on to another big game. Cardinals and Browns. Cardinals win 37-14. Cardinals remain undefeated at 6-0. Browns 3-3. Baker Mayfield with 234 yards and two TDs. Oh, he got hurt and he had to leave. Raiders, Broncos. 34 to 24. Raiders 34. Broncos 24. Derek Carr 341 yards. Two TDs. Cowboys 35 to 29. Cowboys get that victory. And Dak Prescott threw for 445 yards. He had five. Uh, he had 51 attempts. And he had three TDs. He went 36 for 51, to be honest. Uh, Steelers, Seahawks. Steelers, 23-20. Steelers pull off a victory. 
Big Bum, I mean Big Ben, went out there and pushed the ball downfield for once. He had went 29 for 40 for 229 yards with one TD. And they say the best for last. Monday night, the Titans took it to the Bills, and the Bills took it to the Titans. But Derrick Henry showed once again how important he is to the Tennessee Titans. He got it done. He turned for 20 carries, 143 yards, and three TDs. Josh Allen threw for 353 yards. He went 35 for 47 with three TDs. You can only be amazed by a 34 to 31 victory with a, a margin so small. Man, that was amazing. Oh, by the way, the Falcons, Saints, and Jets, and 49ers were all on bye weeks. So with this upcoming week, we got to be amazed and ready to see what they have to bring after a good break of rest and regain. So we already covered the Thursday night game. We know the Browns won. They beat the, uh, they beat the Broncos 17-14. So let's go ahead and just walk right into this Sunday where we got the Washington football team and the Packers. Man, I almost said the Redskins. I don't understand why these guys don't have a nickname yet. But we already know who's going to get this victory. I got the Packers going up against the Washington Redskins. Aaron Rodgers will prove to be another great uh, quarterback and have another continuously uh, MVP season. He will get this victory against the Washington football team. The spread is seven and a half, and I'm going to take Green Bay uh, for sure. And then you got the Chiefs and Titans. This will be another solid game. Derrick Henry, he got 783 yards so far in the season with 10 TDs. They say Kansas City about four and a half, but we know that the Titans know how to beat the Chiefs. And the best way to do it is to keep Mahomes off the field. And who is better to keep Mahomes off the field than Derrick Henry? I'm going to take the Titans. Even though Kansas City supposed to win by four and a half, I got the Kansas City uh, Chiefs losing by four and a half. And that's fair. Falcons and Dolphins. Man, be honest, I'm not really sure who's going to get this victory. But if I had to put my money on it, I'm going to put my money on Matt Ryan to do something in Miami. And I give I give the Dolphins, um, they will lose by three. The spread is two and a half. I'm going to say Dolphins lose by three. I agree. Uh, Matt Ryan, go out there and get it done. Mike Davis, go out there and prove that he is a trash running back, but he can do enough to get the victory. Patriots-Jets, let's get back hyped. Patriots-Jets, man, you know this is a a, a good uh, rivalry right here. Yeah, we ain't talking about Bart Scott. Especially you, Tom Jackson. Way to have our back, Keyshawn. Anybody can be beat. So how did that just feel? Feel great. Poetic justice. We know we were a much better team than we came up and represented ourselves. And we were, we were pissed off. We was ready to come back and show what kind of defense, what type of team this was, what kind of character we had. We take a lot of slack. People gave us no chance. Like, we barely made it in the playoffs. We're a good football team. It looks like this team played with anger all day. Why, Bart? For all you non-believers, disrespect us, talk crap about the defense, like we're the third best defense in the league. All we hear is about their defense. They can't stop a nosebleed. 25th in the league, and we the one to get disrespected. Congratulations. 
Man, I must say, that shit there is the most hilarious shit ever. But guess what? We ain't seeing them Jets in this game. These these Jets right here, they're one and four. And the Patriots is two and four. And if the Patriots is gonna prove to be any kind of sleeper this year, they're gonna have to win this game because they just have to. You can't lose to the one and four Jets. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. This is the, the only team that I think that the Texans might be able to beat and possibly get their second victory of the season. And it's the Jets. If if you lose to the Jets, man, against Zach Wilson and that crappy-ass offense, you have no chance of being any kind of sleeper. So I got to go with the Patriots. Patriots by seven. I would take the Patriots by 14, to be honest. But from what I've seen, the Jets are pretty competitive for all the non-believers. Panthers and Giants. We already know what this is going to be. This is going to be a defensive shutdown by the Panthers. Carolina should win this game. Sam Darnold, you can see that he has a ceiling, but his ceiling is high enough, and I think he's kind of reached that ceiling, but it's high enough for them to get this victory against the Giants. Daniel Jones is a competitive son of a gun, but guess what? He's just not good enough. He's not going to cut it. They don't have enough on their team to stop the Panthers, and I'm going to take the Panthers by three or more points. Bengals and Ravens. This is going to be the matchup of the week, honestly. A lot of people will overlook this game. I think this game should have been a later game. They probably should have moved this game up to a later time. But uh, Baltimore and the Bengals. 5-1 and one Ravens, 4-2 and two Bengals. Now, Lamar Jackson, 1,600 yards, 9 TDs. You know he can do a lot on his feet. Joe Mixon out there mixing it up, man. You got Jamar Chase out there catching balls deep. But I'm going to take the Ravens because Lamar Jackson been in his bag and he been getting it. And Baltimore will pull it off. Eagles and Raiders. Raiders at home, I'm taking the Raiders. No way I could take the Eagles away in Las Vegas. Derek Carr has been having an amazing season. He almost have 2,000 yards even though John Gruden did all the racial crap, uh, said what he had to say, talked about the the gays and, you know, all the different TQ, R, whatever, you know, whatever little letters they got in there. But uh, no disrespect to all them people. But, um, yeah, John Gruden got what he, he deserved. And, unfortunately, I'm really mad at the fact that they didn't continue the investigation. You can't just use John Gruden as a scapegoat. You know why they stopped where they stopped with John Gruden and use him as the guy? It's because the owners of the NFL are racist. Now, I could tell you one or two owners that might not be racist, and that's Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft. Outside of them, I don't really see none of these other guys possibly being not racist. I, I, I could tell you for sure, uh, the Texans' uh, former owner, McNair, Robert McNair, he... He definitely didn't have have my black ass in his favor, but uh, maybe his son does, but who knows? I don't really know a lot about Cal McNair. He, he, he seemed kind of strange, and I, I, I need him to focus on the Texans organization and get it together because his daddy would have had it a whole lot better. Anyways, Lions and Rams. This is easy. Rams is going to go to be 6-1. and one. Actually, they'll be 7-1 because the, the week after the Lions, they take on the Texans. 
So the Rams should easily win their next two games. Uh, and then guess what? We got to talk about the Texans and Cardinals. I already told you that the Cardinals will win. But uh, spread is 17 and a half. Kyler Murray having a damn good season. Chase Edmonds having a good season. Brandon Cooks is having a good season for us. Uh, hell, that's if, that's if, um, well, yeah, he'll be a Texan um, by this weekend. But the week the week after, I, I can't really say where Brandon Cooks will be. Hopefully he'll still be here. But at, at this point, honestly, I mean, I don't really see a point of him being a Texan because there's no future in a Texans uniform for him because we're not going anywhere anytime soon. So that's easy. Cardinals will, will take that victory. Bears and Buccaneers. I don't know. This might be a toss-up, but I definitely see Brady coming out uh, ahead in this game, especially since the game is, is down in Tampa. I don't see them losing. Now, I will say this. I don't really think there's a true home field advantage in Tampa, but it's Tom Brady, man. Tom Brady against some rookie quarterback by the name of Justin Fields that's going to get chewed up and spit out. Um, 49ers and Colts. 49ers should easily take care of the Colts at home. I know the spread is only four points, but uh, with Garoppolo coming back and taking over and Trey Lance going down with the injury, I only see the future of Garoppolo um, hoisting up a W by the end on Sunday night. And it's hard to believe that's even a Sunday night game. So far, it's predicted that there will be rain in Santa Clara, and I hope that is the case because that will make that game that much more watchable. And then Monday night, we got Saints and Seahawks. Now, I haven't really seen the Saints play that much. And to be fair, they haven't really cared too much about the Saints at this point since Drew Brees have uh, hung, hung up his cleats. But Jameis Winston isn't having a bad season. And I think New Orleans is a team that may be a little overlooked. But they should get this victory in Seattle against the Seahawks because... Russell Wilson won't be playing. And with Russell not being able to play this week or the week after that, possibly, I don't know how long he's going to be out, but they're going to lose a lot of games. But this might be proven to be a good thing for Seattle because it would allow Seattle to go out there and draft some solid players to help Russell succeed in the near future. By the way, this week, the Bills, Cowboys, Vikings, Steelers, and Chargers, and the Jaguars will all be on bye week. And I'm pretty sure some of these teams really need it. I know the Cowboys need the bye week because um, Dak has some kind of strain, and he needed his uh, rest. Bills probably need some rest because they just took on Derrick Henry, and they finally lost. Uh, Vikings, I can't really say much. Steelers need to figure out how to put some youth into Big Bomb slash Big Ben. Um, Chargers, they coming off a, a loss, and I, I think that they probably wanted to see something much better than what they, they have seen. So, with the, all that being said, Let's move on to some college football, people. Because, you know, we can't close it out without some college football. This is the greatest sport and league in history, college football. I like college football over the pros because of the tenacity the teams bring each week. And the fans are always in 
the game. They're so into the game. They scream. They get drunk. They they take their shirts off. And, man, people sell out these college football games for a reason. There's 100,000 people in these games, at these games for a reason. So, you got to love college. But let's do some recap, and then let's get to the future. So, moving on to them top 25 games that happened last week. Um... You got to talk about some of these big boys out here, man. Some of these guys like San Diego State, they figured it out in OT against San Jose State. You know, them two are rivals. San Diego State pulled it off 19-13. Unbelievable, right? Um, Kentucky and Georgia was an interesting game. And I want to kind of break down this game because I didn't think that I really, really didn't think that Kentucky would get whooped 30-13, man. You know, I really, honestly, I'm going to be honest, people. I thought Georgia would give it right back to Alabama just like that as a snap. I thought that Georgia would be upset. Kentucky would take over the SEC and ride until the, the conference championship. But... You can't overlook them still. Kentucky is what six and one. Georgia's what undefeated seven and zero. Oh, so you can't overlook what Kentucky put out there. Stetson Bennett, fourteen for twenty, two fifty, three TDs. Had a good game. Brock Bowers, five receptions for one hundred and one yards, two TDs. He came up big. NFL scouts, zoom in. Who was Brock Bowers? He's showing up. Um, now, on the Kentucky side, Will Lewis, 32 for 42, 192 yards, two TDs. Can't be upset with that. Not enough rushing game for Kentucky. They had 27 attempts from five different running backs, but they only had 51 yards. Now, I will tell you this, though. One Dale Robinson, 12 receptions, 39 yards. Damn good. He caught the ball 12 times. Hands might be pretty dependable. NFL, zoom in on that. Hey, some good teams out here, man. Some good things to see. Um, can't take nothing away from Kentucky. They still be pretty solid this year. A team that many people don't expect to, you know, do anything year in and year out as far as the football side. I like to see Kentucky being competitive because I know one basketball school that's not competitive, and that's Kansas. Every week, they prove to be disappointing. And hopefully one day, man, they can just wake up and do something, right? Because that's how I feel. Oh, remember I said Oklahoma State was probably going to upset Texas, and this is exactly what happened. Okay, State, 32, Texas, 24. UT went down. Upsetting. Tennessee tried to pull something off against Ole Miss, but it was 31-26 leaning towards Ole Miss. Arkansas lost again. I'm really starting to be really disappointed in Arkansas. But hey, Bo Nix has been with Auburn for who knows how long, and somehow he got him a victory. I mean, he, he should be like, the top quarterback by now, right? Shit, he's been in the league for like seven years. You see, I said league. <laughs> he's only in college. I can't remember the last time they had somebody different, but hey, 
Bo Nix has been there for a long time. Baylor upsets BYU. Baylor beats BYU 38-24. I was so upset with that one. I thought BYU could somehow pull it out against one of their future um, rivalries. But hey, it is what it is, right? A&M took care of Mizzou. I think I said that already, 35-14. Said that in the H-Town Breakdown. People, if you haven't heard about the H-Town Breakdown, make sure you check it out. Especially if you're in the Houston and closer uh, Houston area. I will cover all the Houston area teams as far as sports, college, and high school if you give me a high school to cover. I will be on it. Just to move on, we have some other good games. Oh, by the way, did you all know that UTSA was undefeated? Oh, by the way, they they, they tore Rice up uh, 45-0. But, yeah, UTSA is undefeated. What a surprise. Hmm. I'd like to see U of H stump a hole in them. Huh. Hey, speaking of U of H and SMU, you know, SMU is taking care of business tonight. And that would mean SMU would be undefeated. But hey, I'm going to talk about that in just a little minute because I've been talking about it so far. Um, Now let's rewind. Auburn took care of their business. Alabama took care of their business. Michigan State took care of their business. They got the win against Indiana. Oklahoma whooped on TCU. I thought Oklahoma could possibly be upset. Oklahoma won 52-31. Cincinnati is now the number two team in the country after whooping up on uh, UCF. Iowa was defeated. Disappointment is the word for that because they lost to a Purdue team that wasn't that good. And they lost 24-7. But they was good on that day. And they did what they had to do. So let's move on into this week. Because we got some great matchups this week. And this week, we had App State take on Coastal Carolina. App State upset Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina was ranked number 14 in the country. And you know App State can't be a pushover. They're, they have been a good team week in and week out. Uh, as far as I can remember and as far as I can see, Appalachian State should probably get a nice invite to some other conference. But I don't think Appalachian State have the resources and um, facilities to provide for anything of a big conference. Now, uh, like I said, Tulane and SMU is going up against each other. Well, they were going up against each other. And Tulane got the victory 55-26, to handling their business and taking care of their, you know, SOBs. So, moving on to Friday, there's a couple good games I got to talk about. Memphis and UCF. And that game, pretty questionable, but I'm going to take Memphis. Memphis got up. Memphis got to pull that one off, man. There's no way that Memphis don't run away with that victory. Now, on a Saturday, Navy and Cincinnati. There's no upset there. 
Navy's going to run their old wishbone offense, and it's going to get stopped against this team as well. They just don't have the players in place to succeed this year. But the good thing is that the game will be taking place in Annapolis, Maryland. And they will be bringing on the number two team in Cincinnati. I hope this is not a down game for Cincinnati where somehow they just can't stop Navy. Because it's going to be a bad, bad replay if they do. And matter of fact, I'm going to remind you. Uh, I think about three or four years ago when U of H was at the height. They was ranked very, very high. They went into Annapolis and they lost. They couldn't stop that damn brutal-ass offense, man. It is so physical. It is so gut-wrenching going up against the Navy offense because they're going to run the ball every play. And then you're so worried about the run sometime. Every once in a while, they might throw 10 passes out the game, and one of those passes will be a touchdown. So when I was talking about one of those basketball schools that suck, Kansas, one in five, I don't understand what they have to bring to the Big 12 in basketball. I mean, in football, I'm sorry. and um, But for some reason, they continue to bring a team every year and they put a team on the field. They will lose again. They'll be one in six against Oklahoma this week. Michigan take on Northwestern. That could be an upset game. Northwestern somehow, sometime uh, rise up to the occasion. So you have to watch out for that. Now, a couple other good games before we close out on this college football theme. Let's talk about Oregon and UCLA. UCLA is for some reason favored to win this game. Oregon is number 10 in the country and they have been playing pretty damn solid so far. They got their big defensive end back. So I don't know how UCLA is going to pull this off, even though Oregon's 5-1 and one and UCLA is 5-2. and two. I don't know if it's right to favor UCLA at the Rose Bowl. I don't know that one. But I'm going to take Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon by two touchdowns. I see a, a good game, but in the end, in the fourth quarter, I think Oregon takes over. They can beat Ohio State. They can definitely beat UCLA. And that's facts. Now, question for everybody. Do you think... Do you think Tennessee could somehow upset Alabama in Tuscaloosa? Uh, or do you think Tennessee will cover the spread because they're supposed to lose by 25? Do you think Tennessee can do that? I'm going to say yeah. A 4-3 Tennessee should be good enough to cover the spread of 25 points in Tuscaloosa. Um, this is a big game. San Diego State and Air Force. The Air Force is 6-1, surprisingly. I didn't even know about that. And San Diego State is undefeated, and they're 6-0, ranked number 22. They go into the uh, USAF Academy in Colorado, Falcon Stadium, to be exact. And they will be facing off against Air Force. Air Force is supposed to win by three points. They are at home. I mean, it will be to a sellout crowd. And San Diego State will have to bring their best A game. Daniels, the quarterback for Air Force, has been having a solid season. But their running game has been the most dominant. With Brad Roberts having 818 yards so far and 8 TDs. UTSA will go, go on to face LA Tech. And most likely they'll get their 8th victory. Not much to talk about here. Um, so now I just want to move on and 
cover this SMU thing. SMU is still 7-0. and They're undefeated. And now the next week they will be looking towards U of H. And they'll be looking at, licking their chops at a UA, U of H team that could possibly be coming in uh, around the same area of 7-1 and as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing U of H go out there and take care of their business this weekend against a team called ECU. And that way, they can go into the game at 6-1 and and SMU will be 7-0. and And I promise you that I will be buying tickets to that game. That will be a big game. It'll be a, a night game at 6 o'clock and it'll be October 30th. Oh, man. You got to be ready and you got to be ready to go because we don't know who's going to win this game. And so far, they say U of H, 55% chance of winning and SMU, 44.5%. But we don't know what's going to happen with U of H this weekend. We don't know who's going to get hurt, who's going to get banged up. Hopefully, everybody be fine. Hopefully, we can take care of ECU, get the guys off the field, and get them ready for the next game. Because, hey, I want to be part of that 40,000 that's going to be at TDCU Stadium. And I know SMU will be out to try to prove something. And the one thing they'll be trying to prove is that they should have been invited into the Big 12. And U of H got to let them know that, no, you shouldn't have. You should stay in Conference USA. Hey, and speaking of Conference USA... Not Conference USA, American Athletic Conference. Well, you might as well call them Conference USA because uh, the American Athletic Conference has just invited Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice University, and UAB. And they have all accepted their invitations into the American League or conference. So you already know the dominoes that started this was Oklahoma and Texas leaving a big 12. And then you got BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston going into the big 12. Um, with that happening, that started a whole shift in the NCAA. And I'm pretty sure it will be some more major realignments. And I wouldn't call this a major realignment because it's conference USA. Now I would say that conference USA now has to figure out, whether they'll live or die because they just pretty much took the heart away from their conference and um, basically just created a new conference USA, to be honest. I mean, they kind of just put the guys back together again, if you ask me. Um, So this kind of leaves the conference USA depleted and at the risk of being poached from from the Sun Belt and the Mid-American Conference. Now, I've heard that the MAC doesn't really want to make any moves, but for them to be even competitive and uh, try to even get into a big bowl game, they're going to have to make some moves, and that's for sure. Uh, the Sun Belt, there's not really a lot of competition out there, but by them being able to add the remaining few teams that's left in the Conference USA, which I can't even call from the top of my head right now, um that will make the Sun Belt that much better. And maybe the Sun Belt and Mac should probably just come together all together, you know, in my opinion. But um, let's go over some of the details. UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston are set to lead the, AC, the AAC on July 1st, 2024, which I believe they will lead way before that. And they'll each pay $10 million. Now, at the same time, 
Conference USA schools were collecting less than a million dollars in annual television revenue. So from them for them to jump from the AAC, I mean from the Conference USA to the AAC, their money will at least double. Cause I think they was making well, I know U of H was making pretty good money in AAC. But with these new uh conferences and new TV contracts that will be coming out, you have to wonder how the money will be spread out and who will be worthy of the big deals. And will this really work out for uh, the American conference in the long run? Because after they do these new TV contracts, it's going to be a lot more money put out to some of these schools. Now, there may be some benefit because each school that leaves the conference USA will have to pay around $3 million. And you got one, two, three four, five, six schools all paying $3 million and that all total up to $18 million, which really is not a lot in all consideration. So it's easy for them to leave. But, I mean, when you base that off of uh, UCF and Cincinnati and Houston leaving the AAC for $10 million apiece, that's $30 million versus six schools only leaving for six. And then the good thing about UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston going to the BYU is that for Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big 12, they got to pay like anywhere from 70 to $80 million. So think about all that that money, that big jackpot right there. They're just waiting on them to, all them teams just to grab out of that and make some improvements uh, and do other nice things to their school to bolster them for the upcoming seasons to to prove that the Big 12 is a big big time conference and they should consider themselves as a power five moving forward. Now, I think I covered all the big games for the week. A lot of teams aren't really facing off against anybody big time. Maybe Ole Miss and LSU, but uh, I don't really think LSU has what it takes to get the victory and Ole Miss will take care of their business. Clemson will face off against Pitt. Uh, against damn, Clemson will face off against Pitt and try to get them another victory and go on to be six and one. But overall, like I said, not a lot of big games. You got a nice rivalry this week in Notre Dame and USC. USC was most likely going to lose this game. They're still in some rebuilding um, modes and they have to get it together. Hopefully, Ohio State can pull off this win against Indiana, as I have seen Indiana being competitive. But other than that, man, I think I've covered it all. And I got to say, thank you for listening. Continue to listen, show love, like, and subscribe. Man, and like I said, if you want a shout-out, just let me know. I don't care, man, if you work in a fucking mill factory. If you need a shout-out and you just want to feel good about your week, let me know. Let D-Raw know, and I will give you the shout-out. Because we all out here working, and I love everybody. Thank you for listening. Sports Talk with me.